All right. Hallelujah. Praise, praise be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. As our brother Matthew just read in Isaiah 61, please keep it open to Isaiah 61. Uh, if you do desire to rise up, you know, the vision of New Philadelphia Church is to raise up an army of mighty warriors. If you want to be raised up as a mighty warrior, I exhort you to memorize Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. Uh, if you're a leader at this church, most of you already know it. You're supposed to memorize it. Don't just memorize it in your head. Get it deep down in your spirit. Own it. Be ready to spit it out when the devil attacks. Spit it out when you're ministering to somebody. Get it deep down in your spirit. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Hallelujah. I'm going to share, before I share my message, I'm going to share a testimony of a sister that was part of our college ministry a couple years ago who is experiencing Isaiah 61, where the Spirit of the Lord is upon her. Her name is uh, Emily Swen. Uh, Emily is a beautiful young lady. Uh, she actually used to do uh, pageantry. I don't know if she still does, uh, but she, she's a beautiful young lady, does pageantry, won different pageants and whatnot. And she was a student at NYU a few years ago. And while she was a student, uh, for those who know NYU, there's a, there's a dorm down in Water Street. Uh, while she was crossing the street one day, uh, a taxi came and hit her at full speed. And she flew and hit her head against the windshield, you know, all over the concrete. And uh, it's, an, it's a miracle she survived. Um, and when they took her to the hospital and she came back to consciousness, um, what had happened was uh, she suffered a terrible case of amnesia. And so she didn't, I don't know how long the amnesia lasted, but she didn't know who she was. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know what city she was in. Uh, it, it was a long and hard journey for her to get her memories back and to be healed from that. And um, uh, Emily ended up uh, not being able to stay at NYU. She transferred to, I think, UW. And then she took a semester out to study at Yonsei University back in the fall of 2008. And um, I remember <clears throat> when I was preaching, she was just sitting there and she's crying, crying. And I just know the anointing's all over her, you know. I'm just preaching, she's just crying. And afterwards, you know, she came up to me and she's like, you know, your word, your message is really speaking to me. Thank you, Pastor Christian. Or, was I a pastor back then? Yeah, I was a pastor back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, Emily had a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Uh, if anyone have, of you have gone through something traumatic, uh, you, know the, you know what the symptoms are. Uh, it can really just be debilitating toward a, a regular lifestyle. Um, and she had all kinds of symptoms, and she was battling back and whatnot, and she's trying to recover. <clears throat> and um, while she was in Korea, uh, I think the enemy you know, attacked her in different ways, and she was struggling uh, but she was really growing, and the Lord was uh, speaking to her, touching her. She ended up staying another semester. And toward the end of that semester, she hadn't been coming out to New Philly. Uh, she came out sometimes to our Tuesday uh, large group meetings on Yonsei University. 
And toward the end of the semester, through uh, her friend Isolin, uh, Emily started coming out to New Philly, uh, just like the first, last few weeks that she was still here in Korea. And, uh, you know, when I would see her, I would just get these prophetic words for her. So I would just speak it out to her. And I just, I just knew. Like, I saw her, and I was just like, I remember we were waiting in line at the Passion, uh, the Passion concert, and I just started getting all this prophecy for her. And it's like, Emily, you, God's got a mighty plan for you. And Satan's trying to take you out, keep you from those mighty plans. But those mighty plans have not died just because you got amnesia, just because you're suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder. All right, God's going to still use your life. And uh, I remember she just cried, and you know, but I don't know how much she received it. Anyway, uh, toward the end of her second semester, when she was coming out to um, New Philly, anointing of God was touching her, and, and uh, we were just blessing her in prayer and whatnot. And uh, she went back to Washington, back to Seattle. And uh, when she went back to Seattle, she emailed me during the summer and said that um, she was readying a lawsuit. Uh, I forget to sue. I think it's to sue the city or to sue the taxi driver. Uh, but he was filing a lawsuit. You know, it was a big one because of the type of injury that she had received. And um, she asked me what she thought. And what, what, you know, what, what did I think about it? And uh, when I prayed about it, you know, this is not, I don't believe that, you know, lawsuits are always bad and lawsuits are always negative. Um, but when I prayed about her situation, I knew clearly the Lord was saying, tell her not to go through with the lawsuit. There's so much damage that she's already received and Satan is just going to use the lawsuit to rob her even more. All right. I want you to proclaim over her. All right. Tell her to drop the lawsuit, start her life, and the grace and favor of God is going to show up in her life. And so, you know, I didn't say it like that strong. I didn't say, I got the word of the Lord for you. But I just typed up an email and said, hey, you know, and, and I just packaged it as good advice. And I said, hey, Emily, um, why don't you consider, you know, maybe going through with this lawsuit will be more costly. And this lawyer in New York and this big shot lawyer, whatever, he's claiming he can get you all these millions of dollars. Uh, but it's going to take like millions of dollars and paying him to get the millions of dollars. And who knows exactly what the settlement's going to be like. I feel like God's saying, you should just drop it and let the Lord repay you for everything the devil has stolen. And uh, uh, she struggled and she uh, you know, was going to go through with the lawsuit. Anyway, she ended up dropping it. Um, and she felt like when she dropped it, she felt like it was the right thing. She had peace and all these things. And man, that was like September, October of this past year. And ever since she dropped that lawsuit and just started going after God, I just encourage her to just go after God. Uh, man, God's just been doing something, just amazing work in her life. Um, as far as I know, she said that many of her post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms, she was afraid that they were going to come back. That's why her family and other friends were telling her, you got to sue. What if those symptoms come back and you got to pay all these medical bills? You got to sue this guy, you know? Um, but ever since she dropped it, God has healed her body fully. Uh, she's, been, she's been very healthy. She's been real strong, emotionally strong. And most importantly, spiritually, she's just exploding. Like a mighty warrior unleashed in battle. So I've been getting like really exciting emails from her here and there, right? I'm going to read you one of the most recent ones. All right. Um, hi, Pastor Christian. I thought it would be nice to update you on how God's working over here. I don't know if I told you or if I told Samo, but I started a prayer ministry here with a friend at my church. 
We meet once a week and we just cry out to the Lord. It's been about five months now and we're lucky if we get five people. But they are pretty powerful. Anyhow, I have been building up my prayer life these past five months. And just recently, fruit is yielding. And it has been so encouraging. I believe that all of this started when you sent me an email challenging me to start laying hands and praying for people. So I emailed her this a while back. A few weeks ago, I attended the IHOP conference. Although I was not invested emotionally, I decided uh, to start praying over people and laying hands on them. What I humanly thought was just lifeless prayer, waiting for a conference just to be over, it was proven to be spirit-filled. All that I invested in prayer got turned into the craziest manifestations I have ever seen over each and every single person I pray for at the conference. Crazy. Yeah. It ranged from a lady screaming in laughter for 10 minutes while the room of 500 was close to silent. That was a little awkward. Uh, Two girls that I had laid hands on at the same time during an altar call fall flat on the ground in a matter of seconds. Since then, one of my pastors asked me to pray for her. She said that that she felt that I had an anointing. That has encouraged me to begin volunteering as an intercessor at my church. As I feel the Spirit coming alive again at my church, I went to the Abba Love Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry Conference. They had a session on Saturday morning. I ran into the person that I started the prayer team with there, and we decided it would be cool to cancel our Saturday prayer meeting and instead invite others to come to the conference. To our surprise, our pastor came. I feel like our pastor was, this is a dude, was affected by this conference and by the movement of God. And today at our Sunday service, he preached about the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. He started crying, telling people to say amen, (laughs) trying to get people out of their seats, dropping his Bible. What what was that about? (laughs) Crazy, just crazy. And then he cut the message short and asked me and a few other intercessors to come to the front. And we did an altar call for the deliverance of the Holy Spirit. That stuff just doesn't happen at my church. Although about two, three hundred people remained seated, confused. Other people, they came forward for prayer. And someone even came up to me and asked for the healing of cancer. That's faith. Wow. I recently did my first treasure hunt, and I have been growing my faith there currently. I've been asking for God's power. Prior to today, I prayed for healing over two other people. One said that he started getting hot in the area where he experienced a lot of pain. And the other woman I prayed for healing says she felt electricity going through her as I prayed for the healing of her hands. With all this going on, I've realized that I also need to ask God to keep me humble under his mighty hand. It's hard, but I'm doing it. Is all of this crazy or what? There is so much more. 
And it's only been less than a year since I've been back from Korea. Praise the Lord. Let's give, let's give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Hallelujah. And you know, Emily used to go around telling her testimony like this. She said, because uh, she was not a Christian when she got hit by the car. So she says, God hit me with a car so that I would come to Christ. God hit me with a car so that I humbled myself from being all beautiful and pageantry and humble myself and become a Christian. And I remember she'd go around telling that testimony. And I just, I just feel troubled in my spirit when I would hear that. And so I remember I encouraged her, hey, I don't think God hit you with a car. But maybe he did. But it's not the type of character that I know God for. All right. I believe the devil tried to kill you off, tried to destroy your memory before any of your calling was made known. He tried to kill you before you came out to be like a mighty warrior like this. He knows he can't stop you now. He tried to kill you then. But he failed because the grace of God was on you. And God turned all that evil for good, brought you to Christ, brought you to Korea, healed, restored, and put your life on the path of life. And so, you know, she, she, she wrote me an email like uh, uh, a few months, a few weeks later after that. And she told me that no one had ever challenged her to rethink her testimony that way. But she said that as she started to think about that in that way, she felt a lot more peace. And I, I do believe that, you know, like whatever horrible things you may have gone through, you know, I don't think like, you know, I think when people get free from it or get healed from it, I think they do God a disservice when they go up and share a testimony saying things like, you know, God put me in these terrible situations. God made these things happen so that I will learn humility, so that I will learn this and that and come to Christ and humble myself. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. You know, if you're living in like wickedness and sin, like if you're really living in like wickedness, like that could be the judgment of God. God does do that. But if you're, if, you're, if you're just like, you know, you know, he ain't going to hit you with a car. Let me, let me bring Emily to Christ. Here, send the car. Send the cab driver right here. Why? Let's, let's destroy our memory. You know, it's not the, the righteousness of our God. You know, um, I believe that God, he looks upon his children with the heart of a father. And, and for those who go astray, he does discipline those whom he loves. All right. But what I know is Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things for the good of those who love him. Those who are called according to his purpose. All right. Let's get into the message today. Hallelujah. Somebody say it's all about the anointing. It's all about the anointing. Hallelujah. You know, last week we had baptisms. It was beautiful, wasn't it? We had both campuses gathered together, Etail and Hillside and... And man, I, I was just, you know, I've done these baptisms before, you know, I, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to do it and, you know, and, and then get dry and whatnot. But, uh, man, I was having so much fun. And then as we're doing it, man, the, the presence of God, the anointing of God was just resting on our baptism. People just start crying. People getting prophesied over in the back after the baptism. Nina jumping up and down like, ah, oh. she was, she was mad excited to get, get baptized. And then our sister Janae spontaneously in her street clothes decides to get baptized. It was, it was beautiful. 
It was beautiful. It was a beautiful hot mess. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, well, what, what you may have noticed is, man, there was, for those who were like really sensitive to it, there was an anointing in that, in that swimming pool. There was an anointing in that, in that whole atmosphere. You know? And uh, it wasn't just a ritual. I mean, people were really sensing the presence of God. And that's, that's the anointing, brothers and sisters. See, Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. You know, this passage, Isaiah 61, in the Gospels, Jesus got up in Nazareth, opened up the scrolls, read it, and said, Today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 61 was fulfilled in Jesus. But let me tell you something, because Jesus is in you, Isaiah 61 awaits to be fulfilled in you. Because God is all about the anointing. Jesus was called Christos, which means the anointed one. Oh, Jesus is all about the anointing. But we are called what? Christians. Why? Because that same word is there, Christ. Christos, anointed one. We are all anointed ones in Christ. Because Christ is living in you. Isaiah 61 awaits to be fulfilled in a marvelous and awesome way. You see, Isaiah 61 was not meant to be just fulfilled in the public ministry of Jesus 2,000 years ago. And that's it. The fulfillment of the scripture extends to the seeds, the generation of those who will come, who will put their faith in Christ and be filled with the spirit and move in the anointing. Where millions upon millions will see the fulfillment of these descriptions in Isaiah 61 being done in their lives. It's all about the anointing. Somebody say it's all about the anointing. anointing. You know, in the natural, to anoint means to pour out oil or to smear something with oil. You know, in Korean... I'm kind of sad. In, in the Korean language, there's no direct, there's not a translation for the word anointing. So they always say, 기름부어, 기름부어. That's weak, man. I think a Korean, Korean language should come up with a separate word for anointing. 기름부어, 기름부어. It's like pour out oil, pour out oil. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not as strong as the anointing. Christos. Um, but yeah, in the natural, anointing means to pour out To anoint means to pour out oil, smear oil. And oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit of God comes upon us, the anointing of God is smeared all over us. Somebody say amen to that. You see, in the Old Testament, any object that was used for the Lord... Will be anointed. Alright, it's alright. The Holy Spirit is just doing his thing. Alright. In the Old Testament, any object that was used for the Lord will be anointed. Genesis 31 verse 13 speaks of pillars in a building being anointed. Uh, Exodus 30 and Leviticus 8 talks about furnishings being anointed. You know, and I think it's something that we've kind of lost in our, in our church culture today. But it's a biblical pattern that I think it's good to just kind of restore into the church today. To anoint everything for God's use. 
Amen? Um, when we get a car, a guitar, when you get a laptop, iPad, iPhone, whatever y'all got. When you get an object, it's good to anoint and consecrate it for the Lord's purpose. When you go to a hotel room or you rent out a new apartment, you go to a church facility, when you go to a place, it's good to anoint a place and consecrate it for the Lord's use. I tell you what, if you don't have oil with you, because you, I, I, I don't carry oil all the time, Pastor Christian. If you don't carry oil with that's fine. Well, then anoint it with your prayers. Just consecrate it with your prayers. But it's a good practice for us to start anointing everything we come across with, with, with oil. Um, and I haven't done this personally, but I think it's a good idea also to extend consecration toward friendships. Toward marriages. And to anoint the relationships that are around us. You know, like um, in the Bible, David and Jonathan. Man, they were good friends. They were good friends, you know. And they were such good friends. Man, they, they just had like uh, what some people would call like a soul tie. But it was like a healthy one. Because they were just like in covenant with each other. To, to, to fight for each other. To stick up for each other. And they had a really good friendship. I think it's a precious picture of an anointed friendship. And I think, I think it's a good idea when you get married, uh, like get a minister to anoint your marriage or, or to do it for yourself. Or when you come across a friend and, and you can get that friend to agree to it, hey man, I want to really be a good friend to you. You know, here's some oil. You mind if we anoint my friendship with you? No, if, they, if the person is willing to receive it, like do that. Do that because when you anoint and you consecrate relationships, it's a powerful thing. You see, in the Old Testament, people were anointed. Not just objects, places, and relationships, but people were anointed to hold special offices. So priests, prophets, and kings, they all had to be anointed before they could serve. And so you notice here at New Philly, whenever a leader is promoted to a new position, like yesterday... We anointed, yesterday, if you weren't, uh, many of you weren't here because you're not a leader. Um, but yesterday, our sister Anita was anointed to the level of apostolic leadership at our church. And that means we, we're giving her and we're trusting her. We see proven faithfulness in her, maturity in her. We see an anointing on her life. All right? And we are just saying, we cool with that. And we're willing to send you out and represent our church. Because we're that at peace with you and we're promoting you. To exercise that type of authority. Hallelujah. So we anointed her with oil, like physical oil. I anointed her, pray for her. Holy Spirit, you know, was ooh, confirming it. And she, she shaking a little and she, she liked it. And hallelujah, she received it. So yeah, I mean, we got to anoint people to hold special offices. Kingsley Fletcher, a pastor, he says, Anything that is not set apart for his use is open to misuse. Man, it's just a good thing to do from the bottom of your heart is to consecrate the things, objects, places, relationships, people. Consecrate all things with anointing, like anointed. You know, occultic practitioners, they curse buildings. They curse, uh, there's these witchcraft practitioners. They're always, uh, I don't know, they're always, but um, uh, Cindy Jacobs shared a story of how 
these witchcraft practitioners, they rented out like an apartment or a house across the street from where she lived. And they were just casting spells and curses for like, I don't know how many months. Right? That's what they, that's what they do. And you know when they do that? When like a witchcraft practitioner does that? Uh, you might start getting a strange symptom. You might start experiencing financial calamity. Like all kinds of strange things can start happening to you because those curses, the power of those curses are real. Um, Satanists, they make blood sacrifices. And if they want to set apart a child to be like, um, what was it? The queen of, the bride of Satan. Like if you watch Furious Love, you know, Satanists, they practice setting apart children from as young as when they're like three or four. All right, they do all kinds of like terrible things to the child. And then what they do is they will kill an animal or another innocent child and shed the blood of that child or shed the blood of that animal and use that blood to set apart this young child, girl, guy for the Satanist work. All right. Now, I believe that these practices in the occult, these are perversions of the anointing. These are all perversions of the anointing. We have, brothers and sisters, power in our prayers and in our actions to anoint and consecrate objects, places, relationships, and people. If you receive that, say amen. Amen. We have that power. We got to start to bring that back into Christianity. Bring that back into our church life. Start anointing things. Set them apart. Set them apart. Hallelujah. You know, if, if you tell a child... You tell a child from when he's young and you anoint that child with oil and you say, you know, young man, the Lord is setting you apart. I anoint you with this oil because the Lord says he's setting you apart for the work of the ministry or for the work of marketplace ministry or whatever. And you anoint that child when he's like 10 years old or whatever. And let's say when that child turns 13 or 14, he starts to rebel or whatnot. I... I I bet you that child, every time he's doing some rebellious act, he's thinking about that prophetic word. He's thinking about that time when he was consecrated unto the Lord. And it will be a matter of time before the Holy Spirit grieves his heart so much that he can't have a good time out there and all the partying. But eventually, he'll come back to the purpose and destiny that God had already called out through that act of consecration. You see, David was anointed as king as a child. Not when he was like 35 and, hey, I'm ready. Let's, let's do this. Can I, can I volunteer to be king? No. He was a little child, shepherd boy. And Samuel saw all of his older brothers said, nope, the Lord's rejected him. Nope, he ain't any, nope, nope. And then anybody else? Jesse says, all right, there's one more. He's just like a little, ruddy little boy. What you, what you, he ain't gonna, I know he ain't the one. Samuel said, I must see him. So Samuel went out there and saw David, this young man. And anointed him. This is the one the Lord has chosen. Anointed him with oil and set him apart as the next king. <laughs> now David, he nurtured that in the secret place of his heart. And God started to teach him what it meant to be a king, even though he wasn't yet a king. Hallelujah. But that act of consecration, the young man David remembered all the days of his life. It's a powerful thing when we anoint, when we do the, do the actual act of anointing. Now, let me get into the uh, spiritual aspects of what, it, what is the anointing. Well, you know, we, we here at the church and other charismatic 
or Pentecostal churches, they throw around the term all the time, anointing, anointing, you got to be anointing. Oh, there was an anointing in the place. Oh, that man is anointed. Oh, that, that sister ain't got no anointing. Oh, oh, she needs to stop singing. She needs to stop preaching. She don't got no anointing. You know why? What does anointing mean? What is the anointing? All right. Now, when you talk about the anointing, there's a lot to cover. But for your sake, I'm going to describe the anointing using three descriptions. Okay, it's a simplified way to look at the anointing. Number one, if you're taking notes, what is the anointing? Number one, the anointing is the tangible power of God for healing and deliverance. It's the tangible or, I got to put or invisible because it's not always tangible. The tangible or invisible power of God for healing and deliverance. I'm going to define all three right now. Number two. The anointing is the enabling and creative ability that God gives toward a specific task. The enabling and creative ability that God gives toward a specific task. If you don't understand these aspects, you won't know what the anointing is about. So if you want to take notes, I encourage you to take notes. If you don't, that's all good. You can re-listen to the message or something. Number two, the anointing is the enabling and creative ability of God toward a specific task. Number three, the anointing is the manifest presence of God. Hallelujah. Let's talk about it. Number one, what is the anointing? Number one, the anointing is the invisible or tangible power of God for healing and deliverance. If you look in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me To bring good news to the poor. Check this out. He has sent me to bind up. In other words, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Hallelujah. The anointing is the tangible or invisible power of God to set you free. To heal somebody. Hallelujah. You know, in the Gospels, there was a woman with the issue of blood. She had a menstrual condition where she could not stop bleeding. And in the Jewish law, when you had a menstrual uh, bleeding, you were considered unclean. So she was not only in physical infirmity, but societal affliction. Because people would reject her because she was seen as unclean. And the reason why she secretly touched Jesus' robe is because priests... And Jewish leaders were not allowed to touch a woman who was having their period. It was just part of ceremonial law. So she knew that if she got caught, people would be really angry with her. So the gospels say that this woman with the issue of blood, she reached through the crowd and came behind Jesus and touched the cloak of Jesus. Touched just the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that virtue or power flowed out from Jesus and she was instantly healed. She knew it right there. She just knew she was instantly healed. That is the anointing, brothers and sisters. That power, that power that went out from Jesus' robe, that was the anointing. Hallelujah. Isaiah 10.27 says that the anointing destroys the yoke. You know, with the anointing, because this is the power to, to heal and deliver. The anointing can destroy yokes 
off of your life. Whether that yoke is a yoke of depression, whether that yoke is a yoke in your job, in your family, in your health. If there's a yoke, the anointing can destroy it. If you have a problem with addiction, lying, stealing, rebellion, laziness, fear, the anointing can destroy those yokes off of your life. Because the anointing is the tangible or invisible power of God to bring healing and deliverance. If you're with me, say amen. amen. I got some blank stares out there. I don't know if I'm getting people here. All right. I'm trying to just give you a textbook. I'm trying to help you out here. Number two. The anointing is the enabling and creative ability of God toward a specific task. Toward a specific task. This means that there is an anointing for business. You want to be successful in your business? You can do it your way and see very little fruit. Or you can do it God's way with the anointing and see incredible fruit. There's an anointing for business. You know, some people, if you um, watch their business decisions, sometimes CEOs make crazy decisions that don't make any sense, that make the whole board, um, board of directors crazy. So what kind of decision is that? That doesn't make any sense. But you know that in the marketplace, there are uh, ministers of God that have a gift of faith. So when they get something from the Lord and they know it's from the Lord and the Lord gives them a gift of faith, they will proceed forward with that decision even if everybody says it's crazy. That's an anointing for business. Man, I, I don't know how the anointing exactly works because, man, it ain't no science, all right? But I, I think some non-Christians, like God gives them an anointing. Because, man, sometimes I look at Steve Jobs. Of course, it's come back to Apple, right? I look at Steve Jobs and, man... People were like, there ain't no market for MP3 players. I remember back in the day, I had the first MP3 player. It was the Rio. And most of y'all didn't even know what the heck that was. You probably still had your CD, Walkmans, and your MD players. MD player was like the worst. Oh, I spent so much money on mini discs. Anyway. And, and people were saying, man, look at the Rio. It's not doing well. There's no market for MP3s. But yet, against all those odds, Steve Jobs said, no. We're going to create an MP3 player, and everybody in the world is going to get one. And guess what? In here, most of y'all have an iPod or have touched an iPod or is envying somebody else's iPod. <laughs> What's that? That's like, I don't know what that is. I think that's an anointing to do business, and also I think that's like a gift of faith. Like when he released the iPad, you know how many haters... We're in the news saying the iPad is just a big, ugly iPod. <laughs> Nobody's going to get one. No one wants one. And look, after one month, they sold a million. They're on pace. They're way, they're, it's a much faster pace than how the iPhone sold. And you know how much, you know, the iPhone is just, everyone's got one now. I, I, think, I think there's an anointing for business. I think Steve Jobs or somebody in, in Apple has it, you know. But uh, there's an anointing for abilities, creative abilities. There's an anointing for, for preaching. There's an anointing for teaching. There's also an anointing for art. You know, if you watched Oprah or um, one of these talk shows, there was this young Christian girl that came on. And at the age of four, she started painting these dramatic portraits of like the most beautiful paintings. 
Looks like somebody who studied art with a PhD in art draw it, drew it out. But no, it was a four-year-old girl. Why? Wow, she has an ability to draw and, and, and for art. She didn't develop that. She got it. It was an anointing. You know, some people, man, they get into classical music performance, you know. And man, I know, I know my, my sister, right? Where's my sister at? My sister, man, I remember growing up, I used to hate it when she practiced violin. Because she would go two hours nonstop. My mom would always say, you know, because we were paying all this money for her violin lessons. I couldn't even go, go to karate. You know, I, I had to go to the free one at the recreation center because she was taking up all the money. And my mom would say, you know, practice, practice, practice. So she'll go in the room and she'll, and, and she got better. She got better. But man, the violin, when it, when it ain't flowing quite the, uh, she was good, but man, she was good. But you know, when I, when I got to, uh, when I got to college, I met uh, a sister named Susie. She's at Juilliard. Man, she's got an anointing for the violin. And I know she practices a lot, but she's also got an anointing because it comes easily for her. It just flows like oil. It just flows. And I know a sister at Columbia University. Her name's Christine Kwok. At the age of four and five, she was playing some of the most complex pieces in the world. She's got an anointing. And there's an anointing for art, there's an anointing for singing. You ever hear a person sing with an anointing? Oh man, you just. <laughs> She's good. You don't even know why you started crying. You're not thinking of anything sad. It's just, oh. She just touches your heart. Why? Because that person's got an anointing to sing. And you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe everybody uses their anointing to glorify God. I think certain people, they take their anointing, they take their giftings, and they, they use it for their selfish means. But there's an anointing for every assigned task that God gives. You know, you guys, most of, in here, most of you in here are teachers. You know, you have an anointing to teach. If you, if you don't, then hurry up and find your next job. <laughs> <coughs> But most of you like it, you like it, you enjoy it, and you do it because you like it. And you know what? Not only that, not only does God want you to do it, but he wants you to do it well. He wants you to do it with excellence. He wants you to do it with innovation, with creativity. Thinking up of, of new ways to teach the Korean children English. I'm like, come on, somebody get an anointing. Let me see some Korean children speak fluent English in this country. God will give you all that kind of ability if you seek the Lord for it because He gives out these anointings. He gives it for your assignments. Exodus 31, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bazalel, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God and with skill and ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut and set stones. To work in wood. To engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed Oholio. What? Oho. I have appointed Oho to help him. And I have given skill to all the craftsmen that are working around them to make everything I have commanded you. Right there, it tells you. That when the Spirit of God comes upon a person, 
He can download all the skill, all these crazy ideas, creativity, ability, and it'll come easily for you. Hallelujah. You know, George Washington Carver. Man, I love George Washington Carver. I love studying about this man. This man was a humble man of God. And George Washington Carver, he had an anointing for science. Did you know that when the cotton harvest was doing really bad in America and the economy was threatened by, by poor cotton harvest? And so George Washington Carver started to look for a new way to drive the American economy. So he looked into peanuts and sweet potatoes because there was a lot of them. Do you know that George Washington Carver came up with 300 applications for the peanut? A lot of the clothes that you're wearing right now with color in it, peanuts. Yeah, because he came up with all these dyes for dyeing fabrics. You, know, you ever wonder how you wash your colored clothes and they never seem to lose their color? Peanuts. I don't know if it was all peanuts, but it was sweet, sweet potatoes and peanuts. All right? Between the sweet potatoes and peanuts, they're coloring your clothes right now. And George Washington Carver came up with all these amazing ways to dye clothes using peanuts. Of course, he came up with peanut butter. Praise the Lord for that, man. <laughs> came up with 300 for peanuts, 118 for sweet potatoes. And when they asked him, why aren't you patenting these things? Why aren't you making money off of these things? George Washington Carver said, well, how can I? God gave it to me for free. I got to share it with the world. Okay. He, was a re- he was a very devout man. And he was filled with the Spirit of God. And there was an anointing on his hands for science. I'm telling you. There's an anointing for every assignment God gives. And if you feel like you've been pushing against the ceiling, you feel like you're going nowhere with your job, all right, start asking God for anointing to do what you do and to do it well. Hallelujah. Uh, number three. So number one was the invisible or tangible power of God for healing and deliverance. Number two, the enabling or creative ability toward a specific task. Number three, the anointing is the manifest presence of the Lord. The manifest presence of the Lord. You know, another way in which the word anointing is often used is when the presence of the Lord comes really powerfully upon a room. When it gets real thick, you know what people start saying? They start saying, there's an anointing in this place. And then those who are not so spiritually sensitive, they're like, yeah. <laughs> but those who are spiritually sensitive, man, you can sense it right away. My wife, man, she'll she, well, anointing. I go in, I'll be like, duh. <laughs> Sometimes I just, I just say it in faith because I see people, other people manifesting. I'll be like, oh, that's definitely, that's definitely anointing in this place. It's not because I sense it, because I see it. But the manifest presence of the Lord. What is the manifest presence of the Lord? Well, you see, God's presence is always omnipresent. He's everywhere, anywhere, at all times. But let's not get new agey here, right? You know, some people in the New Age or Contented Prayer Movement, they'll say things like, oh, God is in this pulpit. God is in that tree. God is here in this mic. God is everywhere. God is in you. And if you look deep enough, you find God. It's like, this, it's like a Buddhist kind of contemplative, you know. And, and you know what? I think that's a lot of Western influence. It's a lot of Western influence in Plato. Uh, you got to be careful with that. But um, God is everywhere. The, the Psalms say, you go, I go up to the heights. I go down to the depths. You're there. In the morning... At night, you're there. 
God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. <clears throat> but the manifest presence of God is when God makes his presence known to you in a way that you can tangibly feel, understand. Some people will start to shake when the manifest presence of God thickens into the room. Some people will start to cry when the manifest presence of God shows up. Some people will start to feel the love of God and it's so, like, they can't see it, but they can feel it so strong. You know, you can't see music, but you can feel the effects of music, right? In the same way, man, the love of God, you may not be able to particularly see it, but when the manifest presence of God comes, you feel that love. You feel His peace. Hallelujah. And that's another way to talk about the anointing. A lot of people use that term in that way. The anointing is in this place. All right. So, I talked about what is the anointing. These are three ways to describe the anointing. How do you get it? Somebody say, I need the anointing. How do you get the anointing? I'm going to keep it real simple. Oftentimes, it's through laying hands. Impartation. Don't believe me? Look at the Bible. How did David get his anointing? Samuel laid hands on him. How did Elisha get the anointing? Elijah, while he was going up, he dropped something. Elisha picked it up. Okay, Not quite in any hands. But he threw it. I don't know. It's an impartation, but it's an impartation. He got it from Elijah. And people said, whoa. When he touched, touched the river and it split, they were like, whoa, that, the mantle of Elijah is upon Elisha. Okay. Um, even Jesus, he got the anointing when John the Baptist baptized him in the Jordan River. And on that incident, when Jesus submitted and humbled himself so that the scriptures may be fulfilled, he came up out of the water, the anointing of the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Okay, um, Ananias, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. How did he get his anointing? Right, on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears. Ah! You know, why, why are you doing this to me, man? Stop persecuting me. I'm Jesus. And, and, then, and then Paul was like, Oh snap! Oh snap! All right, all right. And then, I can't see. <laughs> all right, go into a town over here. You meet a man named Ananias. He's gonna lay hands on you and all this stuff. All right, go go. So Paul went, fasted. Pray for three days. At the end of those three days, Ananias laid hands on him. Something like scales fell off of his eyes. He was healed of his blindness. And he also received the anointing through Ananias. Because Ananias said, receive the Holy Spirit. Impartation. That's how you get the anointing. How did... Pastor Christian, do you have an anointing? Oh, yeah, I got an anointing. Hallelujah. I need it and I got it. And I got it through impartation, through several men of God. But the first man of God that gave me an impartation for my anointing that I carry now was through Brother Michael, through my mentor in college. I didn't know what he was doing, but he would always say, receive it, brother. Receive it. My hand's going to start getting hot, brother. Receive it. Lord, I just anoint Brother Christian. Set him apart. Hallelujah. And I'd be like, oh, it was hot. I didn't know anything about the charismatic movement. I didn't even like the charismatic movement. I used to make fun of all the people in the charismatic movement. But Brother Michael, man, because he had that gift of prophecy, man, he would just hit my Western mind sharp, convict my heart with the secrets of my heart only God knew about. He would speak it out. And I knew that this was God. I knew the gifts were real. I knew the Holy Spirit's ministry was still real. 
And I got impartation from him. And since then, I've gotten impartations with different men of God. And as you know, I also lay hands on people and I, and I impart the anointing on different people. Some of them for the very first time. And some people will come up and they, get, they come up for prayer and they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> like my, my man Justin. Justin, where you at? Justin, where you at? Come on, be loud. <laughs> one time you're not going to be loud today. All right. Just, Justin came up during a Friday fire once. I was like, you know, get the MA students up here. I feel like, I feel like the Lord was like, get the MA students up here. The MA students came up. And I just looked at Justin and the Lord said, ask him, what do you want? So I was like, what do you want? <laughs> and Justin was like, oh, I, I I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't. So I just, I just, I just encourage him. I said, "Yo, surrender your heart fully to Jesus. Repent of anything you need to repent of, and ask God to fill you with His Spirit." I said something like that, just real short. And I, I told him to start praying because he wasn't praying. I, I said that, and he was like this. And I was like, "Start praying." He was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> and he started to pray. I go pray for a couple other students, and I come back to Justin, and I felt like the Lord was like, "Oh, he's gonna get it." I was like, "Oh, he's gonna get it." So I just started laying hands on and started praying for this boy. And he was just, he was just like, he was just like, yeah, yeah. I was like, do you feel anything? And he's like, he's like, no, no, no. Am I supposed to? Uh, no. <laughs> and I was, Lord was like, draw your hand away. He's going about to go down. Draw your hand away. He's about to go down. I start drawing my hand away. The moment I start drawing my hand away, he grabs my hand with his other hand like this, <laughs> and he's like, no. And he fell down on the ground. I think somebody caught you, right? You didn't bump your head, right? Somebody caught him, yeah. We're good about that. Don't worry. But it's just... He was on the ground. He started crying. And he was crying for like 30 minutes. He didn't know why he was crying. And then everybody was clapping because they were so excited to see Justin go down. <laughs> but brother Justin, we know what happened. You received an anointing. And God gave you that anointing for your specific assignments. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you with greater measure and power so that you can glorify God with every assignment you've been given. How do you get the anointing? You get it through impartation. And let me, let me give you a word about people that are anointed, uh, especially people that are anointed for offices and positions. The Word of God says, First Chronicles 16.22, it says, do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Can I ask you, brothers and sisters, in this room today, to take this command into your heart with the fear of the Lord. Let me, let me read it again. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Okay. When you slander one of God's anointed ones, you are touching his anointed one. If you mistreat a prophet, all right, are you going to hear from the Lord directly? Let the fear of God hit you. Okay, this is a serious word. This is a very serious word. And so when I get mistreated by someone, or I get slandered by someone, you know, I pray and intercede for that person. Because I know the word of God. If I say, Lord, go, just get him. I can't believe they're saying that about me. Lord, get them. All right, that is not Christ-like. <laughs> okay, you want the blessing and the mercy of God to flow through you. 
not the, just the judgment of God. The judgment of God is going to come. It'll come. It'll be complete. But in the meantime, we want mercy. Amen? Yeah. We want to see more of His grace. So I intercede for people that try to injure me or slander me. And I encourage you to do the same. And if you watch the uh, King David, King David had every, you know, King Saul, King David learned to be under King Saul's authority. But then King Saul started to get jealous of King David because uh, well, he wasn't a king yet. But he started to get jealous of David and he tried to kill David on several occasions. David would, he'll be like, hey, David, come on in, man. I got that weird thing in my heart, man. I feel no peace, man. Come in here, play your guitar. Play your harp. Play your harp. And so David would be like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And all of a sudden, King Saul would be like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Throw a spear out of nowhere. David David had that anointing. He'll be like, quick, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Several occasions, Saul tried to kill David. David had opportunities to kill Saul. And his men, because he was on the run in the desert, in the caves, his men were so embittered against Saul, they were like, hey, this is your chance. The Lord is delivering your enemy into your hands. Kill him. And one time, Saul was doing his business. And David snuck up and he had the opportunity to strike down his enemy. All right, and you know what he did? He, the fear of the Lord came upon him. And he was like, I can't do this. He's the Lord's anointed. I know the God's word. I can't touch the Lord's anointed. So he was like, Arr! and he just, he just cut the hem of his robe. Cut a little piece, a little corner off the robe. And he, and he, and he ran, ran out and saw, he didn't even know what happened. And even when he cut just the corner of Saul's robe, David came out, fell flat on his face and said, I'm sorry. I'm not to touch the Lord's anointed. Saul, will you forgive me? And Saul Saul was kind of moved by that act. Because Saul was looking to kill him. And Saul, Saul said, you know, my son, you're forgiven. And then later on, Saul came back and tried to kill David again. What am I trying to say is don't ever touch the Lord's anointed ones. Do his prophets no harm. Let the fear of the Lord sink in for that. I'm, I'm just trying to teach you the way of life. If you go the other way, it's the way of death. Okay. And so, you know, in the, in the move of God right now on the earth, the revival move of God, there are a lot of haters. There are a lot of critical voices. And it's very important that you do not align yourself with those who are harming the anointed ones. Because I'm telling you right now, not everybody accepts the anointed ones. Why? Because they look like John the Baptist. They eat locusts and honey and wear animal skins. You know, my, my, my friend, Pastor Paul, he's like the John the Baptist in the city here. He just goes out, he just, he, he'll just, in your face! He'll be like, you brutal vipers, repent! You know, he'll, he'll, he'll be in your face, that's the, his style. Okay, he hasn't been through any kind of formal training, he's been through the the school of hard knocks and he's been through the school of the Holy Spirit. He's like John the Baptist. Not everybody accepts Pastor Paul. But check this out. Don't ever slander Pastor Paul. I don't care even if he does something terrible and wrong, adultery. I don't care what he does. Don't you ever talk ill of him. Because he's the Lord's anointed. 
Everybody understand this right now? I'm just trying to teach you the way of life. Okay. And so, how do you get the anointing? Impartation. Uh, there's another way to get it. It's prayer and fasting. Uh, if you look in Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. That's how the rush of the outpouring of the anointing of God was placed upon the first 120 disciples. But mainly through impartation. That's the way we have seen and experienced it here in New Philly. Okay. So this is how you get the anointing. That means I need the anointing. If you really need the anointing, go to a man of God and get an impartation. How do you walk in the anointing? Let's say you got the anointing. How do you walk in the anointing? Somebody say, I got the anointing. If you got the anointing, you got to learn how to walk in that anointing. It ain't enough for you to just get it. It's enough. You got to learn how to walk in it. Number one, you got to submit to authority. If you don't know how to submit to authority, you don't know how to walk in the anointing. You know, Paul, after being anointed by the Holy Spirit, he had to go through three years of training in the anointing. He didn't just go out and start preaching right away. Three years. Many people don't know about it. Three years he waited, getting training and their submission. We, we, all of us, we require training in submission to authority in order for us to use the anointing effectively. Let me tell you right now, if you try to use the anointing without being in submission to authority, without ever learning the lessons of how to exercise good authority, you're going to abuse the power of God. You're going to use it for your own means, your own selfish gains, out of your insecurity and pride. You're going to hurt people. Got to learn how to submit. You want to walk in the anointing? You got to learn how to submit to authority. Because the Bible says the anointing flows from the top down. Hallelujah. Number two, you got to be led by the Spirit. You know, people can have the anointing, but unfortunately, that does not mean that they're led by the Spirit. You know, people can get an experience of the filling of the Spirit, but that doesn't mean they're led by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Apostle Paul wrote the, to the Galatian church and said, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Meaning, in other words, you can start out with a strong outpouring. You can get a strong anointing. But if you are not led by the Spirit, you're going to get in the flesh. This can go for any one of you. If you want to walk in the anointing, you got to learn how to be led by the Spirit. And, you know, and those who are insecure, they have roots of pride. Uh, they haven't fully identified they, uh, themselves as sons. Those who have insecurity issues, and, and they may have an anointing, but they will refuse and find it challenging to be led by the Spirit. But brothers and sisters, it's not enough just to have the anointing. you got to learn how to walk in it. If you want to walk in it, you got to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, after Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit in the Jordan River, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. Well, I thought when you get led by the Spirit, it's just good things. Flowers. <laughs> Happy. Joy. Peace. No. Jesus got anointed. He went straight to the desert. You know, some people, you know, they're getting an experience here at New Philly. And they get that strong anointing. I'm going to give a shout out to my sister Susie. Like Susie or, or somebody, right? Anybody. who go And then they go back to their home church and it's like a desert. 
They're like, I must have made a wrong decision. I, w- I wasn't supposed to come back. No, 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 no. If you're led by the Spirit and you got an anointing, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you straight into the wilderness. And you are to learn your lessons there. Because that's where you will learn how to use the anointing and walk in it more effectively. Got to be led by the Spirit. And, uh, and when Jesus, when he was led into the, into the desert, he was tempted by the devil, by the way. But just because you got a strong anointing doesn't mean the devil ain't going to come knocking on your door. Doesn't mean all your temptations. You know, some people, the fire of God comes, you know, anointing of God comes and they shake and then they do these manifestations. They go down and they feel so good afterwards. And they're like, yeah, I'm never going to struggle with cigarettes or alcohol or sex ever again. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord for your optimism. <laughs> but, you know, that's great. You know, declare it in faith. Yeah. But they're like, no, it is. It is. I know it is. Come on, just look at what happened. It is. I'm like, well, you know, it may, it may be some people get that kind of type of healing deliverance. But not everybody. So if you're, not, if you're one of the ones that are not everybody, you've got to walk this thing out. The righteous will live by faith. So let's talk. In the next few weeks, let's see how you're doing. Look, even after you get a strong anointing, what I'm saying is you will still be tempted by the devil. And even after you get tempted by the devil and you resist his temptation, in the Bible it says when Jesus was tempted by the devil 40, uh, and then he, he, you know, he fought off all the devil's temptations, the Bible says the devil left to return again at an opportune time. He does that for Jesus. He does it for you. The devil, he's, he'll tempt you. And then he'll leave you alone until an opportune time. And then when you are fighting with your parents, when you're under all kinds of stress, that's when the temptation will come again. But let me give you some hope right here. You can't stop the devil from knocking, but you can't keep him from coming in. You don't ever have to open the door to let the devil back in. Hallelujah. You got the anointing. You got something much better inside of you. So you got to be led by the Spirit. How do you walk in the anointing? Number three, you got to use it and give it away. You got to use it and give it away. Right after Jesus was tempted and he was finished in the desert, the Bible tells us, Luke 4, 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Power. From the desert place, he came out with power. And then what did did he begin to do? He immediately began to teach using the anointing. And then he went to Nazareth and he prophesied with the anointing. And then he went down to Capernaum and he teached, he taught, healed, and casted out demons. Jesus did all of these things in the anointing. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us, Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus did all those things by the anointing. And I tell you right now, I don't care how much gifting or talent or experience you have. If you try to do the work of God without the anointing, it will be failure. It will be zero fruit. You will get natural results out of your natural sowing. But if you do all things by the anointing, you will see incredible results. Mind-blowing results. Hallelujah. How do you walk in the morning? You got to use it. You got to give it away. You got to serve people. You got to step out, pray for people. Step out, serve people. Hallelujah. All right, and I'm, I'm going to just close it up, right? I'm going to close it up. How do you get more of the anointing? 
That's where maybe half of y'all are at right now. You know, you're just like, all right, give me, give me to the part where you get more of it. Because I got it. I need it. I got it. But I got to have more at any cost. Amen? Amen. How do you get more of the anointing on your life? Number one, stay hungry. You got to stay hungry. You got to stay hungry. You want more of the buffet? You got to stay hungry. Pace yourself. Do what you got to do, but you got to stay hungry. Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they will be filled. Hunger is a place where the children of God, if there's a tension caused by hunger, it's a place of being filled and complete in him, but also knowing there's still so much more to come. Hunger is the place the children of God learn, need to learn how to stay. You got to stay hungry. That's how you get more at any cost. You stay hungry. You tell the Lord, I got to have more. I got, I love what you've given me, but I got to have more. I want to see more. I want to see more miracles. I want to see more breakthrough. I want to see, hallelujah, you showing up in great and incredible power like I've never seen. Amen. Stay hungry. Number two, uh, get baptized by the Spirit. If you haven't gotten baptized by the Spirit. I say this because I received an anointing and I was operating in that anointing before I had my baptism in the Spirit experience so i'm i'm putting it out there as you can get the anointing before you get baptized in the spirit from what i can observe all right but if you want more of it it's good to get baptized in the spirit and all the anointings man just start getting activated number three be willing to travel this is my last point all right get happy right now it's my message about the end but number three the last point is be willing to travel hallelujah you want the anointing, you want more of it at any cost when you got to be willing to travel. You know, some people refuse to go and see for themselves when there is a move of God in a certain city. When there is an outpouring going on, they are, really, they are refusing to go and see for themselves. They say, man, if it's really God's will, God's just going to rain down what he's raining down in Toronto. He'll just rain down here in me. At our church. If God really wants it, he'll just do it here. And they refuse refuse to travel. They refuse to go. But check this out, brothers and sisters. If you want more at any cost, there is a cost to get more. And sometimes that cost is the cost of travel. Using your time and money to get to a place where you know there's a flow. Where you know you can get more. You know, after Paul's conversion, what did he do? He had to travel to get to, court, uh, to, get to Ananias. Uh, when the Gentile, first Gentile believers became Christians, or before they became Christians, in order for them to receive the filling of the Spirit, what happened? They had to send for Peter and John. Peter and John had to travel to them. You know, sometimes you go, other times you bring them here. Hallelujah. That's what we're doing with the Niagara Conference. We're bringing in men of God to come and to give us more. To use their gifting to give us more. So whether you go or you send for them, hallelujah, because when Peter and John arrived, they were, they, were, they, they were like reluctant because these are Gentiles. These are unclean people. How can they become Christians? You know, and then they were just like, well, here's the message. All right, Jesus, uh, he was with us and then he died and then he rose again. And all of a sudden, the Cornelius and his whole household start breaking out in tongues. And 
And then Peter and John were like, whoa, they got what we got. Uh, I think that means they're Christians too. <laughs> okay. That's what happened, right? Peter and John, he, they traveled and got there, lay hands, got the, they got the anointing. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, Bill Johnson says, wise men, they still travel to go and see Jesus. And, you know, sometimes you want more, you got to be willing to get more at any price. That's the heart of desperation God loves to honor. All right. Uh, Just a warning. If you get into a culture of going from conference to conference to conference without serving in your church, without giving anything... Well, you know, just going from conference to conference, you're just chasing after, you know, Christian celebrities here. Oh, oh, Bill Johnson's over there. Oh, Heidi Baker over here. If that's what you're doing, all right, be careful. Don't get trapped in that kind of culture. That's more out of immaturity and carnality. Okay. But there is a hunger in that that God loves to honor. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's uh, close our eyes. That's a, that's a lot of teaching, hallelujah. I want to pray for just a couple of key mountains, people that are working in key areas of influence. Um, <clears throat> right now, I want to ask, If you are working in the business mountain, you work in some kind of business marketplace, all right, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet. I saw the Lord doing this. It's going to be anointing releasing this house for marketplace ministry. Lance Wallnow says that creativity and innovation ought to be flowing through the people of God because we have the very wisdom and spirit of God in us. We should be able to come up with iPads and iPhones. We should be able to come up with the latest technologies and, and innovations. <clears throat> it's because we as God's people, we have forfeited that. We have settled for a second best. So if you're in the marketplace, you're in the business mountain, stand to your feet. All right, come forward right here into the, into the front. Come forward to the front. Now, when, when God gives an anointing, the anointing is not just for your own selfish interests. The anointing has a purpose. Purposes of God can be found in the Word of God. One, I believe God gives the anointing so that you can be blessed to be a blessing to all nations. To fulfill the word and promise given to Abraham. Two, is to make disciples of all nations. We are to disciple Nations, Not just make converts and get them into Bible study, but to influence Muslim clerics working in Pakistan that don't know how to get their economy up. You go in there, you go in there and you teach them the principles found in the word of God of righteousness, of integrity, of transparency, and you help them build their economy. You know, right now, oh, hallelujah. Let me get a prayer team. Prayer ministers, prayer ministers. 
Jason Ma was here in Korea this past week. And Jason Ma was saying that right now, China, the country of China, the government of China has recruited his ministry and asked him to send 100,000 Asian Americans in the next three years to China in order for them to begin to disciple and bring the influence of Christianity into the Chinese marketplace. This is not public news. This is just within ourselves here. But they have gone out of the way to ask Jason Ma's ministry to help them to find 100,000 Asian Americans or any kind of Americans, I think. And the Chinese government is willing to pump millions of dollars into this job placement program in order for China, for China's economy to be built, rebuilt on a foundation of righteousness and integrity. That is the work of God. And you know those 100,000 young people when they go, they're not, they're not to just go for a job. They need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If they don't have an anointing, they won't be able to learn how to stop the rioting in China. They won't know how to stop the corruption in China. They need an anointing. Hallelujah. So, you know, the marketplace is a very powerful mountain. We're just going to pray for these people that are in the business mountain. That they will receive a greater anointing. That they will receive a greater anointing. Just receive it. I'm just going to anoint each person.